What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Planet Today. Today is Monday, February 28th, 2022. I am your host, Matt Norton, here once again with our producer and co-host, Nick Janusa. Nick, how's it going? Maddie? it is the last day of February. It's not a leap year, so I am happy. I hate to see her go, but I love to watch her leave. <laughs> um, not to... Uh not to steal your thunder, but you stole my bit. So now I have nothing to say. I was also going to say it's not a leap year. So, uh, yeah, we're just living the same, same life right now. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the planet today. Here on TPT, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. This show is your one-stop shop for all things environmental, whether you're just diving into a green lifestyle or you're ready for some more involved conversations about what can be some complex topics. TPT has a little bit for everyone, so we're happy to have you as a listener. Yes, and like we say every show, go rate the show on Apple and also on Spotify. And while you're logged into Apple, go leave a review. We know you want to say, hey, great show. We love these guys. Hey, these guys are the best. I've never heard such beautiful voices in my whole life. My goodness. I want to name my sons after these kids. Anything like that will work. (laughs) I didn't want children before I started listening to this podcast, and now I just want (laughs) a million. (laughs) I just want to name my four sons Matt, Nick, Matt, and Nick. (laughs) All right, so let's get into the show this week. News broke late last week that nearly half of the bald eagles in the United States suffer from lead exposure. So we're going to break down a history of bald eagles in the U.S. Bald eagles have been the national bird of the United States since 1782 when Secretary of Congress Charles Thomas combined the ideas of several proposed national seals. Eagles have been considered a symbol of strength since the Roman Empire, and eagles were abundant in the new nation. In the late 1800s, there were 100,000 nesting bald eagles throughout the U.S., but habitat loss and hunting quickly decreased their numbers. Bald eagles are as American as apple pie. Like, when you think of America, you gotta think of the bald eagle. Uh, There's something so majestic about them. They're literally, like, otherworldly. They're so cool. And I thought I saw one the other day, but I was actually wrong. It was just a... I think it was just a hawk. So... Speaking of hawks, uh, this is my favorite fun fact about eagles. You know when you watch a movie or something and you see a bald eagle fly through the sky and it has that awesome screech? Yes. So that's actually a red-tailed hawk sound. Wow. How about that? Yeah, eagles are very chatty and chirpy and it's like not uh, an aggressive (laughs) screech at all. So movie makers just put the red-tailed hawk sound over Yeah, they pipe in the sound. That's hysterical, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, So... Eagles and their conservation kind of reminds me a bit of the American bison. So there were 60 million bison in North America in the late 18th century. And by 1889, there were under 600 individuals. And that's another conservation success story where recovery efforts boosted their population to over 30,000 individuals by the mid 20th century. 
Back to Eagles, though, their population declined so much that in 1940, Congress passed the Bald Eagle Protection Act, which made it illegal to possess, kill, or sell bald eagles. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Bald Eagle Protection Act was passed around the same time that DDT and other pesticides were becoming more and more popular. Yeah, so basically right when one issue was being sorted out, another one became more prevalent. DDT, or dichlorodiphenyl trichloroethane, is a chemical compound that was used in the second half of World War II to limit the spread of malaria, typhus, and other insect-borne diseases. And it worked! DDT became available to the public by October of 1945 and was promoted by the government and industry as an agricultural and household pesticide. The caveat is there were concerns about DDT from the beginning, which, if you've read Rachel Carson's Silent Spring you're familiar with. Silent Spring was released in 1962 and talked about the environmental impacts of DDT use in the United States. Silent Spring questioned the idea of encouraging the use of potentially dangerous chemicals into the environment without really diving into their environmental and health effects. The book cited claims that DDT and other pesticides cause cancer in humans and that their use in the agricultural sphere was a threat to wildlife, especially birds. Yeah, this is definitely, I I had never heard of that book either before, but that's definitely before its time. I mean, you know, I'm assuming in 1960 that you probably don't know what pesticides are going to do for for this country, but it's definitely been damaging. Like we talked about, there was a quick hit story, I think last week about pesticides that I think one in three people are affected by um, or have the weed killing chemical in their body. It was called 2,4-D, I believe. Yeah, if you haven't read Silent Spring, highly recommend it. I read it in college, and yeah, it's it's one of those pivotal environmental books that really kicked off a lot of the environmental movement. So yeah, something we mentioned last time we brought up pesticides, but pesticides don't have an off switch. They can't just be like, okay, I got rid of the mosquitoes that are causing malaria. Job done. <laughs> so it's going to get into the bodies of animals that eat those mosquitoes, and eventually into the bodies of animals that eat those animals, and then eventually into humans. It's why some forms of pollution can be so prevalent in larger fish, for example. So small fish eats bottom feeder that has ingested microplastics. There's always a bigger fish. That plastic is going to amplify as it moves up the food chain. And all of this was part of the concern that Rachel Carson brought up in Silent Spring, and it helped fuel the environmental movement and public outcry that led to DDT being banned for agricultural use in 1972 in the U.S. and eventually worldwide in 2004. So how did DDT impact bald eagles specifically? So eagles would eat fish that had been infected by DDT. And that was from DDT getting into groundwater after being sprayed either in agricultural use or just on your lawns. It was getting into the water supply and working its way into the water where fish live. When DDT gets into an eagle's body, it makes it harder to reproduce. The chemical basically makes it so when an eagle lays an egg, the egg is too thin and too soft to hatch. So eggshells are usually strong and firm and they can support the weight of a mother eagle incubating her eggs. When that shell is too thin, the egg can pop when the mother eagle lands on her nest. Oh, oh that's brutal. Yeah, we did, uh, when I used to work at the Bronx Zoo uh, with Giselle, we did this experiment one time where you take an egg from the grocery store and I, I, it's some kind of like vinegar mixture that we put it in or maybe like yeah. Coca-Cola or whatever, I forget. But you basically show how an acid can deteriorate an egg and it almost gets like this crazy like translucent color where then you just touch it and it pops. 
So, wow. Yeah. It's something that like when you see it, you totally understand it. Yeah. And unfortunately here you have all of these eagles breeding, but not replenishing their population, which was already lowered by hunting and habitat loss. So it basically made it an uphill battle to conserve the eagle population. Yeah. And by the 1960s, there were only 400 breeding pairs of eagles left in the continental U.S., and the bald eagle was put on the endangered species list in 1978. Federal protections and banning DDT led to the population recovering enough for the bird to be reclassified as threatened in 1995. By 2007, bald eagles were removed from the endangered species list altogether. Last winter, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service estimated that there are more than 316,700 bald eagles in the U.S., including 71,400 nesting pairs. So not quite back to their peak of 100,000 nesting pairs, but honestly pretty close considering where their numbers were. This is a real conservation success story. And now that you understand the history of the bald eagle, why it's important to the U.S., some of the trials and tribulations that it's gone through, you probably understand how it's tough to get some of the news that we got last week about bald eagles. So when we get back from the break, we'll get into the latest report about toxic lead exposure in U.S. bald eagles that could threaten all of this progress we've made. You know, Matt, this week I got a pair of pants that were just sitting in deep in the dungeons of my drawer and I pull them out, I put them on and I'm walking around with them. I'm having a great day. Nothing's going, you know, everything's going well, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I go to my back pocket and I'm like, wait, there's something in here. Do I leave like a, like a tissue or something? And what do I know? I've got an Ulta in my back pocket. I swear to God. I thought you were going to say you pulled out a $20 bill, but this is way better. I was just going to say it literally is better than pulling out money. I could have pulled out a $100 bill and I would have been disappointed. But I pulled out the Alta. I was like, you know what? My nose is running anyway. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go right for it. You can't blow your nose with a $20 bill. You can't wipe your forehead with a $20 bill. But you could do all that and more with Val Alta's Everyday Handkerchief. It's a high-performance daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings, from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valaalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. Go check them out, guys. Valaalta.co. It is better than finding $20 to $100 in your pocket. Buy an extra one, put it in the pair of pants that you only wear in the winter, and then eight months from now, you will be the happiest of happy campers. Welcome back to the planet today, folks. 
And like we mentioned at the top of the show, a recent study found that 46% of bald eagles and 47% of golden eagles in the U.S. are facing toxic levels of lead exposure. Much like how DDT that we mentioned earlier worked, lead exposure often occurs through ingestion of prey. Scientists tested the blood, feathers, bones, and livers of 1,210 eagles across 38 states and found the results, quote, stunning, according to Todd Katzner, who's a wildlife biologist with the U.S. Geological Survey. Katzner adds that this is the first time for any wildlife species that lead exposure has been evaluated and that the population level consequences across the continent can now be measured. Lead exposure has caused an estimated 4% reduction in yearly population growth for bald eagles and 1% in golden eagles. Yeah, and even small amounts of lead are still incredibly dangerous for eagles. Vince Sable is the lead author of the study and is a wildlife biologist at Conservation Science Global. He says that a lead fragment the size of the end of a pin is large enough to cause mortality in an eagle. Lead exposure was found to be higher during the hunting seasons for many states, in the fall and the winter. Hunting with lead bullets can leave high levels of lead in the animal carcasses that eagles can then scavenge. So that explains the why and how of lead exposures in eagles. And Victoria Hall, who's a veterinarian from the University of Minnesota's Raptor Center, says that 85 to 90% of eagles that come into their hospital have lead in their blood and often lead bullet fragments in their stomachs. One option for hunters who want to stop using lead bullets is to switch to copper bullets. Lead bullets were actually banned for use by hunters in California in 2019. As a reminder, DDT impacted eagles by making them unable to reproduce because their eggs were too thin to hatch. So what does lead do to bald eagles? So Vince Sable says it can cause them to lose their ability to fly, lose their ability to digest food, and it can also affect their motor skills. So DDT impacted reproduction, which is crucial for long-term survival of the species, but lead impacts the active survival skills of each individual. And lead is also a threat for other birds like hawks, ravens, and vultures. Yeah, I mean, this just kind of gets into a bigger issue of like how we affect our environment. Like we don't even know all of the capabilities that we have as as humans that walk the land that the impact that we could have on an environment as simple as just even dropping, like think about dropping a lead bullet, you know, and, and then it gets into, yeah. you know, it gets into the water supply or whatever the case may be. You know, you really have to be conscious as someone who's in the environment and, and where these animals are living to say, hey, I'm going to take the right steps in order to protect the wildlife that, that lives here. Yeah. And it kind of just comes back to conservation, right? Like if you want to continue to enjoy something you enjoy, which in this case is hunting, then a good way to do that is to switch to copper bullets so you're not impacting all of the animals with lead exposure. And, you know, you got into lead being on the ground. Who knows? Like with erosion, that could be getting into the soils. That could be impacting the plants. And then it's impacting an entire different set of animals than the ones that are getting hunted or the ones that eat those animals that are hunted. So it's this whole butterfly effect of, you know, one thing you do somewhere impacts so many other exactly individuals whether it's animals or people like every action has a consequence so like you said try to do the right thing yeah and and not only that like lead is like you just mentioned harmful for humans as well like extremely harmful lead was popular in gasoline until 1996 house paint until 1978 and pipes until 1986 
Yeah, and the issue is that government restrictions placed in 1986 didn't apply to older systems that were already constructed. So you kind of run into this issue where the next time someone does renovations, the pipes need to be replaced. But in areas where municipal funding is low, you see water pipes exposing people and specifically children to lead even today. And that's what we see in Flint, Michigan. Lead can get into your body by drinking contaminated water, eating contaminated food, or just dust from paint that contained lead when it was applied. So children under the age of six are at an increased risk from lead exposure because they are rapidly growing. Lead exposure can lead to many permanent developmental and behavioral effects, such as increased behavioral effects, delays in puberty, decreases in hearing, cognitive performance, and postnatal growth or height. Yeah, and children with lead exposure are also more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease later in life, and adults are actually more likely to be exposed to lead at work, depending on what they do. So iron workers, welders, miners, and construction workers who do renovations are more likely to be exposed to lead. We alluded to this, but Flint's water crisis is due to lead exposure. And I know this doesn't have anything to do with eagles, but you know it's a good way to kind of show something that impacts animals can also impact humans. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Officials failed to apply corrosion inhibitors to the water, which resulted in lead from aging pipes leaching into the water supply, exposing around 100,000 residents to elevated lead levels. Between six to 12,000 children were exposed to drinking water with high levels of lead, and the whole crisis began in 2014, and Michigan's then-Governor Rick Snyder declared a state of emergency in Genesee County in January 2016. Soon after, President Obama declared a federal state of emergency, which allowed FEMA and the Department of Homeland Security to help. The fallout from the crisis is still ongoing, as thousands of lead service lines have already been replaced, with more still to go. And the next part is actually a direct pull from Wikipedia. But there's a lot here that we wanted to mention because, well, you'll see. Four government officials, one from the city of Flint, two from the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, or MDEQ, and one from the Environmental Protection Agency resigned over the mishandling of the crisis. One additional MDEQ staff member was fired. In January 2021, former Governor Rick Snyder and eight other officials were charged with 34 felony counts and seven misdemeanors, 41 counts in all for their role in the crisis. Two officials were charged with involuntary manslaughter. 15 criminal cases have been filed against local and state officials, but only one minor conviction has been obtained. All other charges have been either dismissed or dropped. On August 20th, 2020, the victims of the water crisis were awarded a combined settlement of $600 million, with 80% going to the families of children affected by the crisis. Yeah, this this is just insane. Like, it's it's almost impossible to me that this could have been mishandled. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to help the families, why you wouldn't want to even like get them out of there, why there weren't more steps taken. It's frustrating and like upsetting, straight up upsetting. And to the families that have been affected by it, I feel horrendous. Like these kids are young and you know, a lot of the times they were just completely taken away from them. So it's brutal. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, is likely going to impact them for the rest of their lives. And Look, this would be a, a terrible tragedy regardless of how it happened, but the fact that government officials knew and you know didn't 
really chose to do nothing. Yeah. It just makes it so much worse in a situation which like, how could it get worse? Here's how it's the fact that it's not a mistake. It's just negligence. Yeah, exactly. And this next part is also a direct pull from Wikipedia, but even the legal fallout is still ongoing. New criminal charges were filed against Snyder and other officials by the state of Michigan on January 13th, 2021 for their roles in the water crisis with Snyder facing two counts of willful neglect of duty that could lead up to one year in prison and up to $1,000 in fines. The charges stem from the decision to switch the water supply from the Detroit water system to the Flint River in 2014 as a cost-cutting measure. I'm going to read that one more time. Switch the water supply from the Detroit water system to the Flint River in 2014 as a cost-cutting measure. And they did this without properly assessing the potential impact on residents' health. Yeah, I mean, at least with all of these families impacted due to negligence, a year in prison and some fines is going to make it all even, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's extremely frustrating. And, you know, that's why the legal system is acting the way it is. But then even in this case, like, is anyone whose family has been impacted by this going to be like, oh, well, we got some money and, uh, you know, the governor might go to jail for one year. Yeah. We're good. Like, there, there's no justice here. Corinne Miller is the only one who was actually convicted of anything so far, and she served one year of probation, 300 hours of community service, and paid a $1,200 fine for misconduct while she worked for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. So that's where we're at. I hate when people are not held accountable for the that they did, especially when it is so egregious and, like, just straight up, detrimental to communities and people and affecting people who just should have completely healthy and normal children. And because of just literally not doing your research, you get this result. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, it's something that I don't think you and I are going to be able to put into words, especially, you know, we're two young guys who don't have children, but I'm sure for the parents who are listening to this, that, you know, all all you want for your kids is for them to be healthy and happy and that was taken away from six to 12,000 children because of negligence by some of Michigan's officials. Yeah. So look, this definitely got away from Eagles at the end, but it's important to highlight stuff like this and say, yeah, this matters for Eagles, but this also matters for us as humans. And this definitely matters for all of us as part of this greater ecosystem. Like some people who listen care about the environment, but it's hard to contextualize this. And we hope that this difficult conversation we had at the end about how lead impacts humans kind of provides that context that might've been missing for some people. Well said, Matt. And you know, it's not just about Eagles. It's this affects humans too. And here's how, like, I think that was, that was a great way to put it. So and on that note, that'll do it for today's episode of TPT. We'll be back on Friday for another edition of quick hits Friday. Also, one week from today will be the first Monday episode of March, so we'll be reviewing A Beautiful Planet on Hulu. Yes, which is narrated by the great Jennifer Lawrence, J-Law. For all our J-Law fans out there, you got to listen on Monday. Make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for clips from the show and exclusive quick hit every week. Yes, and for the Planet Today, I am Nick Janusa. I'm Matt Norton. See you on Friday. Peace.